Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, the last episode of 2019 for Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. It is the year in review, the good, the bad, the ugly, some of my favorite moments, some of my favorite matches from the year that was 2019. But before I get started, make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at Sig Daddy wrestle and if you haven't already make sure to subscribe to my podcast on podbean apple podcast and on spotify let's start with the good from 2019 i'm gonna give you the all the good stuff from 2019 followed by the bad and then the ugly and then i'll also give you my favorite matches and favorite moments from the year 2019 just like i previously mentioned let's start out with the good Number one I have on here, no particular order. These aren't just these are just ten different things that I thought were good from the year 2019 in professional wrestling, mainly AEW and WWE, and then NWA sprinkled in there a little bit. AEW's formation in the beginning of the Wednesday Night Wars between AEW and NXT. This is just refreshing to me. Because it makes Wednesday night pro wrestling must watch TV, and that's the best. That's the best week, best day of the week to watch pro wrestling on TV. You get great matches. You get, I don't know, you get stuff that makes sense for professional wrestling television for the most part, and it's fun stuff and it's good wrestling on both AEW Dynamite and then NXT on Wednesday. Both of them coming to network TV. AEW coming to TNT and then NXT going to USA, both on for two hours. And it make and competition brings out the best of both of them. That's what it does. That's what happened during the Monday Night Wars. Now we're calling this the Wednesday Night Wars. And that is one good thing I think that has happened in 2019 is that AEW is formed and then NXT moving into broadcast. Well, moving it to USA. Number two, I got to talk about this. This will be mentioned multiple times throughout this podcast. The Kofi Kingston World Championship win. That was so satisfying. And the build, that was WWE storytelling at its finest. And all and it took a Mustafa Ali injury to bring this moment into fruition. He got put in the gauntlet match after that. He had a great showing in that. And they just continued to build momentum. And the fans demanded it. The fans demanded that Kofi Kingston get a world championship shot. The fans demanded that he get this opportunity to win the WWE championship. He had never had a one-on-one singles match for the WWE championship, and he was able to get that at WrestleMania. And boy, did that live up to the hype. Daniel Bryan delivered, Kofi Kingston delivered, and the moment that he hit the trouble in paradise and got the 1-2-3, fans and everyone rejoiced around the world. And it just was a feel-good moment that you never thought would happen. But Kofi Mania took over 11 years it took for Kofi to win the WWE Championship. And boy, it wasn't fun when he got that opportunity. And I, that was the last, that was one of the first times that I've gotten emotional, emotionally invested in a match. That, that like one of the first times in a very long time that I've been emotionally invested in a match like that. Daniel Bryan and Kofi delivered and the moment was just spectacular. Just a great moment. In NXT, the Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano three match series from April through August. Originally, this was supposed to be Tommaso Ciampa at NXT TakeOver New York, but he had to take time off for uh, neck surgery. Cole replaced him, and boy, did they deliver three epic matches at three straight takeovers. New York, TakeOver 25, and TakeOver Toronto. They were just beautiful matches. I, you have to watch them. Go back on the network. If you have if you have a subscription to the WWE Network, you have to go watch them. They're just beautiful wrestling matches. The drama... The Johnny Gargano title win at NXT Takeover New York was a couple years in the ma- a year in the making, and it was just beautiful. And then the matches we got after that were just both really, really good. My fourth thing that was good in the 
pro wrestling world in 2019, it was the AEW tag division. Fun tag team wrestling, tag team wrestling, well, it has not disappeared, but it's in the mainstream now. WWE has, for years, kind of lacked focus on their tag team division. And AEW, they do focus on their tag team division. And boy, do they have a deep one. The teams like SEU, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers, uh, the Hybrid 2. The Dark Order's getting there. They got the Butcher and the Blade now. They They have tons of teams in there. They have Proud and Powerful. Their tag team division is so deep, and I like that they have a focus on tag team wrestling. We haven't had a really big focus on tag team wrestling since the late 90s and early 2000s with uh, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian. This is this is a sign that tag team wrestling is back, and it's going to be a focus, a, a focus point for AEW for the time for moving forward. My fifth point, R-Truth and the 24-7 Championship. While this got a not a very good introduction by Mick Foley, how it was laid in the, uh, laid just dropped in the middle of the ring, and it was, boy, it was an ugly-looking title, that green and gold. Not very, not very pretty to look at, but, but what we got out of it is that all this championship so far has been some of the most entertaining stuff consistently all year, especially with R-Truth. His interactions with Carmella, his team work with her as they run around they're getting chased for the 24-7 championship. And just some of the creative segments he had with Drake Maverick, the wedding, and the time that Drake Maverick was trying to consummate his marriage. Boy, did that not go well. R-Truth always in the limelight. And he just made it, he just made, for some reason, R-Truth's dopiness made this title entertaining and he's so he's it's been one of the best things on WWE television all year and he just had a great little interaction with Akira Tozawa in New York as they're getting they're chasing around and they're chasing around each other and stuff and and then Santa got involved and it's been some of the best stuff that you've seen on Raw in a very long time number six my sixth point the rebirth of John Moxley Shortly after, shortly after his contract expired back in April, uh, the former Dean Ambrose was kind of he he uh, hinted on Twitter the return of his Moxley character, and like less than one month later, he showed up at AEW's inaugural pay per view, Double or Nothing, where he attacked both Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. And boy, I remember watching that pay per view, and the crowd came unglued. And it, it, this this was a rejuvenated. John Moxley, and what we got after that, like I said, is a highly motivated John Moxley that put on great matches with Juice Robinson in New Japan, Joey Janela, Pack, and depending on what you thought of the full gear match between him and uh, Kenny Omega, he had some really good matches with these guys in AEW. Three really good ones, and just actually, I forgot one. He had a great match. I was there live. When it, he faced off against Darby Allen in Indianapolis, he's been putting on great matches all year, and it, it's just he's been rejuvenated and remotivated. And the stuff he was doing in WWE was not—he was just not digging it anymore, and he just hated it. And he decided to take a chance and move on to something else. And he, boy, he, as he capitalized on it, and boy, has he flourished since he's left WWE. And I, I'm loving this version of John Moxley. My seventh point that's been good in the world of professional wrestling this year. The introduction of NWA Power. NWA Power, it's on YouTube. It's This gave fans an alternative. And there is so many different things in the world, different brands of pro wrestling that you can watch now. But this... This is just stands out quite a bit because it is a throwback to the old school studio wrestling of the 80s. And it's not very often, not very often does that does uh, something feel as fresh as NWA does. And it's just a different look and different feel from anything else out there right now. And I've really enjoyed it so far. The promo work is top notch. 
you get some decent wrestling in there and you get stories that make sense in the world of professional wrestling and it's just been very enjoyable to watch so far it's been a it's been refreshing i've mentioned that multiple times but it's been refreshing to see nwa power and it's i'm looking forward to watching it in the future and there and there's some names that you've seen before james storm ken anderson nick aldis those guys in tna and then also, some new guys, some new fresh new faces, some new stars coming up in the future. Ricky Starks is just one of them. They have this guy named The Question Mark. Uh, it's something for everybody in there. And then they got the women's division with Ashley Vox, Allison Kay, Thunder Rosa, which is, is an awesome character. I'd recommend you go watch her stuff. It's just, I think she's very, very good and an up-and-comer for NWA. It's And then you got... Royce Isaacs, Thomas Latimer, you got Camille in there. You got Colt Cabana, a veteran. Yes, just a bunch of different things in NWA that you can enjoy. And then you can, if you want some nostalgia, you can go back and watch it. Eli Drake, I forgot that guy. Eli Drake, he's he's got a chance to be the man. But it's just it's it's great to watch. It's it's an, it's a fast watch for professional wrestling while you get bogged down sometimes with the three hours of Monday Night Raw and the two hours of SmackDown and the two hours of NXT, seven hours of content for WWE one week. In one week, you can watch NWA Power and it's a one hour quick watch and it's a very enjoyable watch with stories that make sense and some decent wrestling thrown in there also. Number eight, Cody's promo and in-ring work especially against Jericho and his brother Dustin. These were just beautiful storytelling pieces of wrestling here in 2019. And Cody's promo at AE, on AEW uh, Dynamite, it was, if you have a chance to go back and watch that on YouTube, please go watch it. Fantastic promo from Cody. And then these matches between him and Dustin and then him and Jericho, the emotion that went into both of these matches, you just felt the emotion, and it's something you don't feel very often anymore in wrestling. It's But, I don't know, He's he was doing a great job as a storyteller, both in-ring and then on the mic. He is super hot in AEW right now. I'm glad he's flourishing in uh, AEW, and it's been it's been nice to see Cody do very well in the ring, and then do very well on the mic. He's one of the best mic guys around right now, and I'd recommend you go watch that promo for from Cody that he cut on uh, Chris Jericho back on Dynamite back in uh, October. Women's wrestling number nine. That's my ninth point that's been ninth thing that's been good is women's wrestling tessa blanchard her her feud with sammy callahan has been sweeping the wrestle has been taking over the wrestling world you haven't seen intergender intergender wrestling really focused on ever but it's just and they like to call it just wrestling and that i'm fine with that tessa blanchard she's one of the hottest acts in the industry right now and her feud with Sammy Callahan which actually it's still going on it's been very nice to see that in impact and the women main eventing Wrestlemania which was a huge thing and if it was if it it wouldn't happened it wouldn't have happened without Ronda Rousey Becky Lynch and Charlotte that that was a huge moment for women's wrestling and it's been fantastic to watch and, and Bailey's been a part of it. Sasha Banks, they won the inaugural women's tag team championships. I'll cover a bad point on with the tag team championships later on, but it was a great moment to see that those tag team championships come into fruition. And there's been some very good women's wrestling this year. Asuka's making a resurgence and women's wrestling is definitely coming into the forefront here in 2019. Has come into the forefront in 2019. And then number 11, Chris Jericho. His work in AEW has been nothing short of phenomenal. From his promos to his matches 
And while he's slowed down quite a bit in both like quickness and and I don't know, just quickness in general, he has made up for it in storytelling and he's been able to tell a story with each of his matches this year and he ages like fine wine. How do you how do you continue to get better with age? You're almost 50 years old, but Chris Jericho defies logic and he continues to kill it, and he continues to put on great matches. He's put on great matches this year with Adam Page, Cody, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, and uh, Scorpio Sky. You can't, this guy, there's there's all indicators that this guy is the GOAT, and it's been awesome to see Chris Jericho here in 2019 continue just to be the man, and in my opinion to be one of the greatest of all time, to greatest to ever do it. Memorable memorable quotes, including a little bit of the bubbly. And also, I have a ticket, and it's mer- it's just merch. He can sell merch like nobody else in Le Champion. That's another one. My goodness, Chris Jericho, he's been a highlight for 2019. Before I get to the bad, let's recap. So not one one of them was AEW's formation in the beginning of the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, my second one was the Kofi Kingston World Championship win. Then the Adam Cole Johnny Gargano three match series, AEW's tag team division, ring our uh, truce twenty four seven championship win, the rebirth of John Moxley, the introduction of NWA Power. Cody's promo and in-ring work, women's wrestling, the announcement of Roman... Oh, I forgot this one. The announcement of Roman Reigns' leukemia is in in remission. That was a great sign. He's already had... I think he, from what I remember, he had leukemia at another time, and this was a big deal, and it it was great to see Roman Reigns be able to come back to the... To what he to do what he loves and and be in professional wrestling and he and I feel like he's gotten the fans back and while he was out for some reason it was it's weird to say this but the the cancer brought the cancer for some uh, cancer brought the fans back to him they realized this this real life person is suffering from a disease and his fight brought the fans back to him which is very inspiring for anyone and everyone. And kudos to Roman Reigns for fighting that leukemia and uh, it finally reaching a point of remission. The bad. The treat. This is the bad. I have, for this one, I have 10, po- ten different uh, points. For this, ten different things that were bad here in 2019 in the world of professional wrestling. The bad. The first one, the treatment of the mid carters from WWE, namely EC3, Cedric Alexander, Andrade up until recently, Alistair Black, Buddy Murphy, and Chad Gable. These guys should be much of much bigger deal than they are right now. They are are or were in WWE, and they just have not been treated very well. Cedric Alexander, he had a shot for the U.S. Championship. He's just kind of been buried after that. He's been losing... He's been more used as enhancement talent here recently. This guy is uber-talented when he gets in the ring. EC3, they've completely missed the ball on this guy. He is very talented in-ring, and very, very, very talented on the mic. He showcased that in Impact Wrestling. He was in NXT back a couple years ago, but he left. He went to uh, TNA to go kind of refine everything, and boy, did he show up, and boy, did he get a lot better. And he was, he had, he was on the cusp of doing something great in WWE, but once he got sent up from NXT to Raw, the wheels just fell off. Andrade, they have, he's yet to win a title until just recently at Madison Square Garden for the U.S. Championship. This guy was a huge deal in NXT, but he's not been treated as such in. WWE, but they're starting to get there with him a little bit. At least they're giving him a mid-card title now. Alistair Black, they just had him cutting promos in the back uh, backstage or whatever for forever, and he had not really had any matches after WrestleMania this year. He didn't really have. He was not really a point of focus 
I'll say. He was not much of a focus after WrestleMania. Or... Aleister Black. After WrestleMania 35, when he tagged with Ricochet... He has not since then. He's not been a focal point of neither of SmackDown. Now he's on Raw. He's it's starting to get a little better for him. But he, all he had them doing back on SmackDown was cutting backstage promos. And I think he had one pay per view match against Cesaro, which he absolutely tore down with Cesaro. But other than that, he's really done nothing. And he should be treated like a world beater. He's he's good, very good with his martial arts background, and he's got a lot of charisma. And he's just See, he's like that silent killer. He should be treated as such. And then Buddy Murphy, very talented in-ring performer, just not used like he should be. Chad Gable, dangerously underutilized. This guy has a lot of talent, very good in-ring. I think he's a he's a Kurt Angle with just a little bit less charisma, but man, he should be used better. He should be battling for mid-card titles in WWE. The Lana, Bobby Lashley, and Rusev storyline. This has been awful. The promos, awful. Just the story up until very recently, been pretty awful. Rusev, for a while, was treated like a complete joke. And still, he's been treated like a complete joke. He cannot get a win over Bobby Lashley. And he looks like a dork quite a bit. He got thrown through. He lost a tables match against Bobby Lashley at TLC. He's not really gotten any retribution. He's what well, he put Bobby Lashley on a stretcher one week, and that was about it. And this storyline has just been bogging down Raw. And Raw had one of their lowest ratings in a very long time. Well, probably yeah, it was a very low rating. Raw, and it might have been that might have been part of the reason why is these Rusev Lana Bobby Lashley segments. Rusev remains over with fans, but this Lashley and Bobby Lana couple is not really working with fans. It's getting good YouTube numbers, but the ratings, the ratings, I think that should matter more. Number three, my third bad thing from 2019: the treatment of the Raw Tag Team Division. Bear with me for a second. I got a lot to say about this. The tag team division on Raw, it's had a hard time fighting its footing for what feels like years since the New Day held the titles. At least three years, three, four years. A lot of what we got out of the tag team division is the Revival having most of the, some of the most inconsistent booking that I've ever seen. They win the tag team championships in February. Lose them to NXT tag teams and lose, like, they win the titles, but then lose to NXT tag teams in DIY and uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black, which made little to no sense if you don't want to build, if you want to build strong champions. Eventually, they lose to Hawkins and Ryder at WrestleMania, which that match was not announced till like, very, I think the day of or the day before, the weekend before at least, and it's Hawkins and Ryder versus, uh, the Revival at WrestleMania, and they lose the Tag Team Championships to Hawkins and Ryder. It was a feel-good moment, but the Revival literally had, that title reign meant nothing. And then, they were treated as jokes against the Usos with these terrible segments with the Usi Hot and them shaving each other's backs backstage. Bad segments of those. But then they regained the Tag Team Championships in late May, lose them two months later to Anderson and Gallows, and then you see them team with Orton for a short time, which is actually a good, it was a good pairing, I thought. I thought that pairing worked out pretty well for a short time, but then WWE just decided, eh, we're going to give up on it. And as Orton's got sent to Raw, and then the Revival got sent to SmackDown, so the Revival would win the SmackDown Tag Team Championships at Clash of Champions, but then lose them again to New Day two months later. Very inconsistent booking for them. And then also, the Braun and Stro- at one time, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins won the Raw Tag Team Championships. And Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode held them also. Thrown together teams. And then the Viking Raiders, they won them not too long, a couple months ago. And really, WWE has done nothing with them. They have not found them a clear set of challengers, a viable set of challengers, a credible set of challengers. 
They've still been doing the same thing they were doing before they won the Tag Team Championships, and that was having squash matches on Monday Night Raw. That's not how you build credibility with your champions and having them just squash people. Recently, they had a match with the Street Profits, which could have been a great feud if you took your time and just... They did an open challenge for the Tag Team Championships and then just had Street Profits lose in like three or four minutes. This team was the NXT Tag Team Champions. You're treating like NXT is a joke if you have these guys lose in literally three or four minutes. And yes, and the Viking Raiders have not found really any really credible challengers. I think they're working on something with the OC, but they've already faced them before. Raw needs to really work on his tag team division, get some tag teams in there, and start getting some teams that could actually challenge for the Viking, challenge the Viking Raiders for those tag team championships because they've not been a focal point of Raw in quite some time. Four, AEW's lack of attention to the women's division. This has been a struggle for them so far. They've really been focused on the tag team and men's division. They've been so focused on those that the women's division has suffered from it. Like Rio, she had she was she was uh, soaring. She was sky high. She was. Big with the fans after, but after she won the women's championship, world championship, she's rarely been featured on TV. And sometimes, I from what I've read is they I I haven't paid attention to this on the shows, but I haven't realized that they're only having one women's match on shows sometimes. But and but there is recently there's been a renewed focus, and more time has been dedicated to the women's division, but. Before that, it's been a lack of focus, and they've really found a whole lot of challengers for Riho in her women's championship. They're having a fatal four-way here this week on AEW Dynamite, but it was supposed to be Chris Statlander who was supposed to be challenging her for it, but Chris Statlander had a prior engagement. But yes, the women's division needs to be a focus for AEW here in the future, and that's one thing they've been struggling with, and that's one bad thing with AEW, but they've done a lot right. But that's just one thing they've struggled with so far is their women's division. The fifth, my fifth point, the treatment of potential main eventers for WWE in Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Man, these guys have had so many stop-start pushes that it's been ridiculous. McIntyre, I understand it was the comeback story of Roman Reigns, but he continued, he ate two straight losses on pay-per-view to Roman Reigns, literally halting any momentum he's had. Strowman, being in a storyline with the SNL host and losing yet another world championship match against Seth Rollins. This guy was a beast, but you've continuously, WWE has continuously booked him to lose in big matches. He cannot win the big one. He's lost so many big matches that he's pretty much losing all credibility that he has, and he's lost almost all momentum. He's, I think he's about his own momentum has kind of gone completely down. He's now battling Shinsuke, going to be battling Shinsuke Nakamura for the Intercontinental Championship. So at least that's some kind of step up because he's not won a singles title since he's been on the main roster, and that's been for that's been three or four years. My sixth point, my sixth thing that wasn't, was bad this year. The rivalries between Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin and Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans. Those took up, the Seth Rollins-Baron Corbin feud took up three pay-per-views, three pay-per-view main events that could have been more, better utilized, but for some reason they felt the need to keep shoving Baron Corbin down our throats and Seth Rollins, he made some comments on Twitter with Will Ospreay talking about how WWE has the best pro wrestling in the world. It's not, it wasn't, I understand him defending the company as he is the company's kind of golden boy. And he just, he kind of, fans really didn't like that with him. And it kind of started to have fans turn on him. But Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins, Corbin should not be in three straight pay-per-view main events third one was with uh, Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins and uh, him and Lacey Evans. And it just, the set, the matches with those two just were not very good. 
And then, yeah, Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans was not ready for the moment, but there was not a whole lot of potential opponents for Becky Lynch at that point as Ronda Rousey had already exited WWE. But, yeah, those matches weren't very good either. And it was just a bad part of the summer. Those three straight pay-per-views, those main events were very not very good. Were just not good. Uh, my seventh... My seventh bad thing from 2019, the lack of believable challengers for the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship. WWE's had a hard time with this. The Raw Tag Team, Raw, Raw Champion, Raw Women's Championship since the beginning of, since after Becky won it at WrestleMania and the, the triple threat, the winner th- take all triple threat, it's, it's kind of been a struggle for her to find challengers. She's had Nat Natalia challenge her at SummerSlam. She had who else was Lacey Evans took up almost the whole entire summer, and it's just been an interesting last what eight months, seven eight months with Becky Lynch as the Raw Women's Champion because she hasn't really had a whole lot of challengers. She's going to get one here in Asuka really soon, which is nice and refreshing, and it's a nice callback to their rivalry back last year around this time. But yes, she's la- she's lacked challengers. And then SmackDown. It's It's been really the Charlotte Flair and Bayley show. Bayley... Charlotte won the SmackDown Women's Championship from Bayley back at uh, Money in the Bank, I'm pretty sure. But then lost it immediately to Bayley at that same pay-per-view. And uh, since then, it's been uh, it's been really a lot of Bayley and Charlotte matches. They kind of flip-flopped the title, and then Bayley turned heel. Sasha returns. And Sasha aligning with Bailey, and it's really been a lack of challengers for that title as it's been really just Charlotte and not really a whole lot of anyone else. They're trying stuff with Dana Brooke, and they're going to probably give Carmella a title shot from way SmackDown's been booked recently. But yes, it's been it's been very the lack of they have a lot of depth in that women's division, but they have really not taken the time to build enough. Credible challengers up for both uh, Bailey and Becky Lynch, and and we might see since Shayna Baszler is free, we might see her come up to Raw and challenge for the women's championship. That would be nice and refreshing. Give Becky a new and very credible challenger. But yeah, this this the Raw and SmackDown women's championships they've lacked contenders for quite a long for quite a long time here in 2019 my eighth bad thing from this year giving Brock Lesnar money in the bank at the end of the money in the bank match it was Mustafa Ali climbing the ladder ascending he was about to grab the money in the bank briefcase and and lo and behold Brock Lesnar shows up as he was the final entrant into the match and he takes it and wins it when it could have been used for someone else. And then Brock successfully cha- uh, cashes it in on Kofi Kingston on the first episode. Actually, not on Kofi Kingston. He cashes it in on Seth Rollins. But he loses. Like it makes no sense. It made no sense to me because Brock doesn't need a title at this point, and Brock doesn't need the Money in the Bank briefcase. It can be used to build up a new star, which WWE desperately needs to do as they've had the same kind of guys in the main events here for a while now. And what didn't make sense to me was having Seth Rollins, when he, what the title he won back at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar, he loses it to Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, only to have him... Oh, that's extreme rules. Brock Lesnar catches it in off there after that eh, after that mixed tag match at Extreme Rules. And then he just regains it at SummerSlam. Why put the title on Brock at that point anyway? I didn't understand that. And that was having Brock win titles at this point makes no sense anymore. And Brock winning the SmackDown 
championship, uh, the WWE championship, didn't make a whole lot of sense, but I'll cover that here in just a few moments. The Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns, dog, big dog thing, number nine, where they brought out the stuffed animals and the dog barking stuff and the dog food. It was just crap TV. Corbin, he's he's gotten a lot better as a heel recently. His mic work has gotten better, but I still don't really enjoy him all that much. But you know what? He's a good heel. He, he gets heat from the fans quite a bit, so he's doing his job. But he's honestly been given terrible material to work with, especially in this Roman Reigns feud. Number 10, the lack of care that was given to the women's tag team division through the first half of 2019. Sasha Banks and Bayley. They won the titles at Elimination Chamber. Great moment. But then the Iconics win them at WrestleMania. I didn't mind that. But after that, the Iconics were hardly ever featured on TV and the titles were just kind of thrown to the side. The championships didn't seem to matter for the those in WWE and that bothered me. And why, why'd you introduce these titles in the first place when you're not even going to be featuring them on TV? They didn't give, like they said, they didn't give the Iconics enough time during their their reign. But it has gotten better since then with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and the Kabuki Warriors. Those last two reigns have been very good so far. It's bit there. It's the women's champ tag team championships are starting to uh, get better. They're, They're starting to gain some credibility now. And that is that closes out the ugly, the bad part of 2019 in professional wrestling, especially WWE and AEW. So the bad recap: the treatment of mid carders. Number two, the Lana, Bobby Lashley, and Rusev storyline. Three, the treatment of the Raw tag team division. Four, AEW's lack of attention to the women's division. And uh, number five, the treatment of potential main eventers in Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Six, the rivalries between Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin. Well, Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin, and Becky Lynch and uh, Lacey Evans uh, during the summer. Number seven, the lack of believable challengers for the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship. Eight, giving Brock Lesnar money in the bank, and then multiple world championship reigns during this year. Number nine, Baron Corbin, Roman Reigns' big dog uh, segments on SmackDown. And then number 10, the lack of care that was initially given to the women's tag team championships. The Ugly. Just a few points on this one, but they're big ones. Lars Sullivan. I'm not going to go in depth on Lars Sullivan. You can give him a Google and find out for yourself why it's been bad. He's a bad, he's been the one of the ugly parts of 2019. 2. Kofi Kingston's fast title change on the first SmackDown on Fox. What felt like an awesome reign can just comes to an end in literally 5 Flippin' seconds. That made me angry. Kofi Kingston, his whole reign ends like that. He doesn't even go out really fighting. He just runs into an F5 and looks like a complete dork. Why? Oh, because we're trying to please the smoke the TV guys. The TV execs at Fox. And guess what? He went to Raw. And guess what? He still doesn't show up there very often. And yet you make this WWE Championship reign almost rendered meaningless for Kofi Kingston. It was awful. Number three, a a little detour to Ring of Honor for a second. Joey Mercury's blasting of Ring of Honor over the safety of workers and after that after they sustain injuries and then the security concerns and uh, women's vision, the women's lack of pay reportedly Kelly Klein 
only getting paid $25,000 per year. He went on a big rant on Twitter about this, these things, and he pulled up text messages and emails, and it was pretty bad. Kelly Klein supposedly was not cared for well enough because she was sent to work in South Africa following a Ring of Honor tour in the UK right after a concussion. And he, Joey Mercury kind of blasted the concussion protocol, the lack thereof of a concussion protocol for Ring of Honor. And it was a bad look on Ring of Honor. And Joey Mercury, was already, uh, I think he had already quit. He quit Ring of Honor at that point. But yeah, he put them on blast, and it was not a good look for Ring of Honor at that point, as they're, as they're currently struggling with attendance. Four, the Goldberg-Undertaker Super Showdown match. That was an absolute travesty, and it was, they was lucky those guys did not come out of there more hurt than they already were. It was terrible. Goldberg concussed himself during the match. Undertaker laying got dropped on his head. It was just bad all around. Horrible, horrible match. There was no reason why two guys over the age of 50 should be wrestling in the same match. It was terrible, and it was kind of just very, very sad to watch. That was my that's my third, that's my fourth point, fourth thing that was ugly in 2019. Number five, Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell match. Just terrible. This was crap. Absolute dog crap. From the red lighting that they still use today, I can't see anything, to the overuse of finishers, and it, it was, it made the curb stomp mean absolutely nothing. Just absolutely nothing. It meant nothing after that match, because Seth Rollins continued to hit like eight or ten curb stomps and just had Bray Wyatt kick out of everything, and then Bray Wyatt rise from the dead after at the after the match gets stopped. Yeah, the worst one of the worst parts of the match. They stopped it. They stopped the match. A Hell in a Cell match, a match that's supposed to could to bring finality to a feud. It ends in a no contest. What the heck? Six, Corey Graves tweet. Uh, Corey Graves tweet during Takeover War Games, and I quote: "Just for the record, guys, I know you wouldn't know it, but there's actually a WWE Hall of Famer and a Ring of Honor, former Ring of Honor champion on commentary. I imagine they'd have a lot to offer." End quote. That was a tweet Corey Graves sent during NXT Takeover War Games, commenting on Mauro Ranallo's commentary. And according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, Corey Graves was trying to play into the brand rivalry element of Survivor Series, but it wasn't taken that way. And Ronaldo, who is who suffers from bipolar disorder, and he was supposed to be on the Survivor Series, wasn't there for that, nor was he there for the next episode of NXT. And like I said, he meant he suffers from bipolar disorder. This and probably the comments of many others on Twitter affected him and caused him to kind of be in a bad spot. Corey Graves, he should think before he tweets. He apologized later on, but it wasn't a good move for him. It was a bad, it was a really bad look for him as he took a lot of heat from that. And my final bad thing, uh, ugly thing from 2019, the Jordan Miles uh, t-shirt debacle, which put him on a social media rampage and such, which ultimately led him to get his release from WWE. It was a face, It was, the shirt was a black shirt with his teeth showing, and it had Jordan Miles in it, and supposedly it was a very racist thing, as I think it was... Yeah, it was just a very racist thing. WWE pulled it, but Jordan Miles went on social media to complain about it. And 
he did not handle it the way he should have. He should have handled it in a private manner. As they, WWE tried to handle it in a private manner with him, but he had to go on social media and go on this rampage, which ultimately led him to getting his release from WWE. And it was not handled as well as it should have been by Mr. Uh, well, by actually his, his other wrestling name is ACH. But it wasn't handled well. And then... Later on, he, after he debuted for MLW, he supposedly quit pro wrestling. So it was not, it was just a bad look for him. Not the best thing from 2019. The shirt shouldn't have, honestly, shouldn't have ever made it on there because it could could be taken that way as very a very racist T-shirt. But he could have handled Miles could have handled it a lot better, and it just got really really ugly. And like I said, in a professional manner, you can't handle that stuff you can't post all that stuff on social media and expect not some you just can't do that on social media that's not being professional but yes that's my final bad thing from 2019 so not the bad thing it's an ugly thing from 2019 i mean the r sullivan kofi kingston's fast title change on smackdown Joey Mercury's blasting of Ring of Honor. Goldberg, Undertaker at Super Showdown. Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell match at Hell in a Cell. And then Corey Graves' tweet during War Games. And then lastly, the Jordan Miles t-shirt debacle. Which brings me to the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly. But let's go for this. the Some of my favorite matches from 2019. These I recommend... I would recommend anyone to watch Cody versus Dustin at double or nothing. Beautiful match brother versus brother. And the fault, the the post match was just beautiful. Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole, two out of three falls NXT takeover, New York. Wonderful match. Awesome. Seeing Johnny Gargano finally get the NXT championship after a year long journey. And then they put on a banger of a match there. Cody versus Jericho from Full Gear. Professional wrestling storytelling at its finest. Ladder match versus Young Bucks. Well, ladder match, Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers at All Out. Just a car crash of epic proportions. Some of the craziest stuff you'll ever see in professional wrestling. A flipping a Canadian destroyer off a ladder through a table. Also, the Tyler Bate-Walter NXT UK TakeOver Cardiff match. Wonderful match in NXT TakeOver UK. Walter and Tyler Bate tore the house down. The WWE Championship Elimination Chamber match. That was such a fun match. It had me anticipating the Kofi Kingston World Championship win. It just didn't quite happen that night. But the next match, the Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan WrestleMania 35 match. It just told a great story. And Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston delivered what was an epic match. And Daniel Bryan doing some of his best work. And Kofi just the same. And the drama that built up to the end of the match where Kofi hits the Trouble in Paradise, gets the 1-2-3, and... That was WWE at its finest. That was the best WWE thing I've seen the whole entire year. Kofi Mania finally comes to its apex and he wins the WWE Championship after 11 years in the WWE. My favorite moments from 2019. Of course, Kofi Kingston's World Championship win at WrestleMania 35. Johnny Gargano's Championship win from NXT TakeOver New York, Cody's in-ring promo in the lead-up to the Full Gear match with Chris Jericho. That promo gave me goosebumps. I've mentioned a couple of these things on here in the good part of the year. I also forgot. I didn't forget, but the next thing, these my fourth, my number, well, not number four, but... Uh, one of my favorite moments from this year. The MJF nutshot post-match at full gear. Jericho had him in the Lion Tamer. 
MJF is ringside. He actually MJF was ringside for Cody. He was his friend. He was his mentor. Cody Cody's meant Cody's a uh, Cody was MJF's mentor, and he threw the towel in, and then we all realized he didn't want him to win the world championship. He kicked him straight in the nuts afterward, and that just made MJF one of the biggest heels in professional wrestling. The air raid crash off the cage by Tommaso Ciampa on Adam Cole through a table at NXT TakeOver War Games. Just one of those sites that you'll never forget in the annals of WWE history. It was just, it's like, oh my gosh. It was just unbelievable. Very cool moment, but very scary moment at the same time. And then my final favorite moment from 2019, Keith Lee's performance during the Survivor Series tag team match. He made himself a star. He'd been kind of lost in the shuffle in NXT, but this brought him to the forefront. This made him a star. He was battling. He almost got the job done against Roman Reigns as the final two in the Survivor Series tag team match. It was awesome to see. Keith Lee showing off his athleticism and showing off what he has was just awesome. I hope to see him have an even bigger 2020. But that's going to do it. That is it. That is everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the my favorite matches from the year, and my favorite moments from the year of 2019. Just a crazy year of professional wrestling. A lot of highs, a lot of lows, but man, I did enjoy every single minute of pro wrestling I got to watch this year. Yep, that is the year in review for 2019. Make sure to listen in Next, well, not next week, but this coming Thursday, I will have my weekend review up for this week. It'll be Raw, it'll be NXT, not NXT, it'll be Raw, NWA Power, and AEW Dynamite as I return to my normal format. But this is the last time I'll be Talking to you here in 2019. The next time I'll see you is in 2020. For the final time in 2019, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanking you all for listening. Have a happy new year. And so long, everybody.